This week's Deeper Dig is sponsored by RK Miles. RK Miles is a third-generation family business founded in Manchester, Vermont in 1940. It's committed to fair business practices and a belief in family and community, and it relies on the loyalty of its customers. The company supplies lumber, building materials, and home goods to communities throughout Vermont and western Massachusetts. With eight Vermont locations, RK Miles is your neighborhood lumber yard. Visit rkmiles.com for a location near you. From VT Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, while skyrocketing gas prices are hitting Vermonters at the pump, local small business owners are increasingly feeling the strain from rising transportation costs. And this latest hike follows two years of pandemic-related inflation and supply chain issues. Our business reporter, Fred Tice, has been exploring the trend. Fred, thanks for jumping on. Happy to do it, Mike. Last week, he reached out to Choa Sampson. You own a single pebble. A single pebble. We are a uh, Chinese restaurant in Burlington. Mm -hmm. So Choa bought the restaurant in the early 2000s from the founder. She and she had started as a line cook there, and so she uh, she's been owning the restaurant for a fair bit now. And you know her. Experience with COVID as the experience of many restaurants, right? She started out with more than 20 tables and, you know, she's had to cut it down to 12 tables to make it a relatively safe space. And then as she was doing all that, she was also seeing that prices were rising. So back then, our rice, 100 pound is $38.50. Currently come in 50 pound bag, which is $50 for 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, in terms of uh, soybean oil, uh, one of the containers back then is twenty six fifty. Currently, we are like one container is forty three fifteen. Cornstarch, hundred pounds, thirty six dollar back then. Right now, it's coming a uh, fifty pound bag, but it's fifty pound bag for forty dollars seventy five cents. And broccoli was thirty two dollar. Right now, it's forty three dollar per case. Wow! By the time she and I spoke, she mentioned a few things where. Prices had basically doubled since the beginning of the pandemic. Wow. Yeah. Rice, obviously something you use a lot in a Chinese restaurant, cornstarch, and then she mentioned peeled garlic. She says they use a whole lot of peeled garlic. And so prices for things like that double or almost double. What does that mean for her? Well, she's been trying, you know, she really wants to, as she said to me, allow you to go into her restaurant and have a fantastic meal for 20 bucks, right? So that becomes really hard with the prices going up so much. For instance, people might think, you know, the dumplings should be really cheap, but I want to point it out. So 50 pound flour back then is $26. Currently we're paying $42.85. Yeah. So it's near double. So, uh, I, so I kind of adjust the price gradually, and frankly, our uh, the price we adjust, or I adjust, really nowhere near to reflect how much that uh, the price had increased. Yeah, she, in order to stay in business, she's had to raise the prices, and she's just raised them gradually, just to keep her margins, and that's how she's dealt with the pandemic. Why is this happening? Why is rice twice as expensive? Why is peeled garlic twice as expensive as it was even just a couple years ago? An excellent question. She didn't have the exact answers, right? But 
the various reasons have to do with basically constraints on how you get the the peeled garlic or the rice from point A to point B, right? Whether the rice comes from California or somewhere else, you still have to get it there. And the transportation costs have just skyrocketed. And a lot of it has been that there's just been so much demand for containers and trucks and rail cars uh, that there's just not enough of them. And so typically when there's more demand than supply, prices go up. So over the course of the pandemic, that's been one of the constraints. And then the other thing is that very often all over the place where things are produced, people get sick, they stay home from COVID, or they have to take care of their families, or they're in a place where there's a lockdown. Obviously, that's not as much the case with a farm, right, where you're growing the rice, but it might be where the rice is being processed and, and bagged. And clearly, if you're peeling garlic, you're doing that in a plant. There are shutdowns that happen. And once again, then there's not as much supply and the prices go up because the demand stays up. So it's every single step of that supply chain. There's some potential for interruption that is now causing these prices to shoot up. Yes, absolutely. The other thing I wonder is right now, everybody's looking around. They're seeing these really high gas prices. We've heard a lot of talk about how attributable that is to the war in Ukraine. How much of that is a factor right now? Or I guess maybe the question is, does it even matter to someone in her position? It matters a great deal. And she told us this incredible story about how, okay, she's been coping with gradual price increases throughout the pandemic. One of the things she does is she orders uh, seitan. The seitan she orders comes from Taiwan. It comes into the port of New York and New Jersey. Eventually, there's an importer there. And she orders from the importer. And she has three or four times a year, she orders one or two pallets of the seitan to be driven up to Burlington. And typically, you know, she would get charged to $300 to get a pallet of seitan delivered from New Jersey to her restaurant. And then last month, a shipment showed up, one pallet. You know how much the bill is? No. A thousand dollars, more than a thousand dollars, a thousand thirty-six something dollars. Wow. The trucking company was charging her a thousand thirty-six dollars just to have driven the pallet of Satan to Burlington from New Jersey. That did not include the, the price of the Satan itself, right? And then second pallet, the very next day, they drop it off. They, uh, on the bill, the driver said they need to have a hundred something dollars before they drop off. So I actually have them take it back because I, I told them I need to, this is my heart. I feel like somebody just jabbed a knife in my heart. She said, you know, just take it back to New Jersey. And then she talked to uh, this salesperson who lowered the price to the regular 300 bucks that she had been paying. But that was sticker shock, obviously. That is probably attributable to the skyrocketing cost of oil around the world since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, right? This was this happened just last month. Wow. So that's sort of an extra layer on top of this pattern of rising materials and ingredients prices that she was already seeing. Yeah. So, and I don't know if this is inflation or this is just COVID. I don't know. But for me, it's, as a really small business owner. It is really hard to operate. 
besides oil, there seems to be another factor playing here, and uh, that is uh, just the difficulty of getting trucks and truck drivers. It's been tough to hire people in a whole bunch of occupations throughout the pandemic. Then we had the Canadian blockades and work slowdowns to hmm. protest COVID last month, and that seems to have slowed down the ability for people to get their products from where, you know, where they're buying them to where they're going to sell them. Uh, we talked to um, another company, RK Miles, which is a construction supply company, and Joe Miles, the owner, was telling us that he has all these, all this stuff that's available in mills, a lot of them in eastern Canada, and he just can't get it to his eight distribution centers in Vermont and his two in western Massachusetts because there's just not enough truckers and there's just not enough trucks. He just physically can't get them from point A to point B. That's right. And so when that happens, the price goes up too, right? Because the demand continues. People are showing up. They're like, hey, I need my two by fours. Well, there are only so many. And typically what happens is the price of those things goes up. Our glass has been just, you know, frankly, it's just off the charts. Like some, some of our glass has doubled in cost. One of the people I talked to is uh, Eric Sorkin, and he is the owner of Run Amok Maple in Fairfax. They market their maple, they, you know, infused maple is a big, big thing for them. And they have all these beautiful square bottles uh, that you'll see all over the United States, really. And for him, transportation is, is the main issue. Our glass comes from Europe, Asia, and some from North America as well. You know, the cost of shipping from, from Asia through the West Coast went from maybe four to $5,000 a container to twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars a container. Wow! Um, and you know, so it went from a small, relatively small proportion of the cost of glass to costing more than the glass itself, um, which is just dramatic. At the same time, he's had to raise prices until the pandemic. He said, uh, actually, until last summer, he said that he had not raised prices at Renamok for six years. And then since then, he's, they've been raising prices because they don't see another way to cope. Wow. Like what's going on now with supply chain and inflation feels to me like a, you know, a linear direct result of the beginning of the pandemic and just the disruptions. And it's just taken a really, you know, a, a fairly long time to be reflected in the price of goods. You know, so we, you know, our glass manufacturers have locked in pricing on freight and their own, you know, raw materials. So it took a while for them to really start paying more. And then they started charging, you know, and then our, and then the folks who were buying it from the factory and we had in turn, we had lock in rates and it just took a long time for all that to, to kind of expire and work its way to the point where, you know, we're now really paying for for some of the additional costs over the last year and a half or so. And, and now it's hitting the shelves. That's how I perceive it anyway, because, you know, we've been watching this happen for, for two years now, right? So you've got these discrete examples of how certain businesses locally are seeing those price increases, feeling the strain. How do we go about quantifying how big and broad of an issue this is? Like, what are the ways that we're able to see how much prices are going up across the board? How much inflation is really happening here? So 
The Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is part of the United States Department of Labor, reports every month on how much consumer prices go up. There's a basket of commodities that they look at, you know, a whole bunch of things that we typically will buy, and they will put out something called a consumer price index. Last month, the consumer price index went up by 7.9% over the past 12 months, and that was the highest 12-month increase since 1982. And in New England, the index rose 6.9% over the past 12 months. The Bureau of Labor Statistics does not break it down by state, so we don't know how things are in Vermont. But New England, 6.9% over 12 months. So like softer than the national increase, but still a huge jump. Yeah. Has anyone you've talked to figured out a way around this? So one of, you know, one of the things that we have seen over the course of the pandemic is this national and international distribution system, right? Where at every step of the way, as you pointed out, there's an increase or a potential increase because people are sick, people have to stay home. There's a factory that's on lockdown. There's a loading dock that's on lockdown. There aren't enough containers. You know, fuel for the ship, price of that has gone up. The diesel fuel for the freight train has gone up. There aren't enough train conductors. There aren't enough truck drivers. There aren't enough trucks. There aren't enough containers. There are not enough railroad cars. And one way that one of the business owners I talked to said he's gotten around this is by trying to buy local. We are pretty fortunate in that 60 to 80% of the ingredients we use, depending on the season, are from local small producers and farmers, and they actually have not had to increase their prices with inflation nearly as much. I spoke to Justin Barrett, and he owns piecemeal pies in White River Junction. And that, as he describes it on his website, is a place where you can go and buy British-style meat pies, largely meat pies. And uh, you can also have brunch there. And uh, he has a lot of uh, people who come into the store, you know, retail customers, and then he also has some wholesale customers. At one point, Justin was wondering how much prices have risen over the course of the pandemic of all the ingredients that he uses, right? And so he decided to make a chart. I was pretty depressed when I made that chart. I just like, I need to do this exercise. <laughs> and I was doing, I was talking with another a bakery in Morrisville, and we I, I just did this exercise. What was it in 2020? What is it in 2022? And I think all of our ingredients raised an average of between 60 and 70%. But the way that he's managed these incredible price increases is that you know he's raised his own prices. Now, you know, he's only raised his prices 7% on average. He's raised his prices 7%. Compared to 70 of the ingredients and materials that he's he's trying to source. Yeah. We can't necessarily just continually raise our prices, especially in the business we're in. When you're a bakery in a cafe, people are only going to spend so much for a cookie. It's not like we can just increase that as inflation goes up. So we just have to be really thoughtful on the decisions we make without cutting quality. His strategy in order to try to mitigate the rising prices of just about all the ingredients he uses is to buy local. We always get King Arthur flour. We always get Cabot butter. We always get McNamara milk and cream. 
in glass bottles right across the river. He, for example, buys his lamb from Scuttleship Farm in Panton, and they still charge him the same price as when he first started ordering from them, and that's seven dollars mm. a pound, for example. And his pork comes from Royalton Farms, and his flour from King Arthur Flour Baking in Norwich. Because they're not dependent on this continental or, or global food system as much as they are with keeping dollars in the community. So we are really focusing in on how grateful we are and for these small producers, and we communicate a lot with them. We'll keep all of our costs as low as possible when we work together. Fred, some of these jumps that you're talking about just seem massive, right? 60, 70% increases for some of these things that these business owners need to source. It seems like this can't go on forever, right? Like they, they can't just keep trending and, and shooting up that fast. How does this end? Oh, good question. I don't think anybody knows. You know, I get the sense that all these business owners I talk to are just hoping they don't go out of business. They hope they can just survive until this crazy spiral of inflation quiets down, right? And there are some scary moments. I mean, right now, I was just looking at a letter uh, sent out by a distributor of flour, right? And they were showing their customers, so these are like restaurants and, and stores and whatnot, how much the price of wheat has gone up since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, because a fourth of the world's wheat exports come from either Russia or Ukraine. And their whole the whole transportation systems there apparently have been disrupted by the war, even though you know, Russia is obviously a huge country, it could export somewhere else. But those exports have certainly slowed down. And so the speculation on the commodities markets, you know, where these contracts are entered into for delivery, you know, a few months down the road, say of, of wheat flour, right? You could, you could look at a, a line graph of wheat prices and they're kind of like humming along. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's this massive spike that ha that's happened in the last few weeks. And people are hoping that that's not going to get translated to something like flour prices or, you know, their, the contracts for, for buying flour so that they can make their baked goods. And people are crossing their fingers a lot. I really get the sense that the folks just don't have a lot of control because what can you do? You can cut costs up to a certain amount or you can raise your prices and just hope that your customers just go along with it, right? Right. But it's got to be tough when those customers are getting squeezed in the same way. If everybody raises their prices on everything, people are really going to pair back to just the bare essentials of what they need to spend on, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one thing to think about, too, is in Vermont, where it's so hard now for people to live close to where they work and harder and harder, right? Because the, the cost of housing has gone up so much. Folks are having to commute longer distances Whenever I talk to businesses or for some of the folks who work for them, you know, they're telling me, and this is not just for folks who work in Burlington, they're commuting 30, 40, 45 minutes to their jobs. And, okay, that's burning up a lot of fuel. You know, as of uh, this week, AAA was saying that the average price of fuel is uh, of a gallon of gasoline is $4.27 in Vermont, right? And it seems like right now, given that the war is still underway, the pandemic is still, you know, maybe in a bit of a lull right now, but hasn't gone away completely. 
that we don't really have a clear picture of what happens next. No, none of the folks I talk to, none of the business owners I talk to seem to have any sense for what's going to happen next. They're really just hoping, you know, the tourists are going to come this summer and they'll do a better business, but that doesn't mean their costs are going to go down, right? They're just really just hanging on. Got it. Thanks for the rundown, Fred. Oh, my pleasure, Mike. You can read more from Fred Tice at vtdigger.org. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger newsroom. See you then.